0: Welcome to Between Two Chairs, demystifying commercial real estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arancibia Jr. and Jennifer Wollman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, between Two Chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and join us. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Between Two Chairs. My name is Fernando Rencivia Jr. And with me, as always, is the electrifying <laughs> jennifer woman all right i gotta
1: laugh oh, that's new i always feel like my you know. intro is like same old <laughs> so i like new congrats on creativity welcome everybody we have a we have a special events
0: episode so you want to kind of guide our sure. listeners on?
1: So we were talking and, and you know, with the Super Bowl coming up on February 11th. And for those of you who don't care anything about the Super Bowl other than the halftime show and the commercials, I want to let you know Reba McIntyre singing the national anthem and the halftime show's being done by Usher, so there, you got some information. <laughs> but um, going back to the Super Bowl, it's coming up on February 11th, and Fernando and I were talking about, you know, when we had Super Bowl Live here, I call it Super Bowl Live, I know it's 54, but I just loved Live <laughs> because, you know, the nightclub at the Blue is called Live, so Super Bowl Live we had here, and we were talking about the economic impacts of these types of events, and since South Florida is getting ready to enter the busiest time of year for us in terms of local events and the number of people in town, we thought we would go over the economic impact that these types of events have on the community and on commercial uh, real estate in specifically. So starting February 14th and ending February 25th, we have... Eight of our largest events happening. We, we jam-pack it starting with Valentine's Day through President's Day weekend. It starts off with the Miami International Boat Show, and it ends with the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. During that time, we draw more than 500,000 visitors from across the country and the world. Our hotels and restaurants are going to be packed. Traffic's going to be crazy. I always love when my clients come into town during that time and they want to see properties (laughs) because then I have to try to figure out how I'm going to beat traffic so it doesn't look horrible when i'm showing them properties but anyway people do come into town um our hotels restaurants airbnbs are going to be packed i googled hotel rates for that week for south beach and the well-known hotels such as the ritz carlton sitai and one are over a thousand dollars a night the lows and SL are 600 and up. You can find some boutique hotels if they have any space available for around $200 a night, but that is huge, right?
0: It's also very big for any Airbnb,
1: verbal, exactly. you know, it's exactly. huge. Exactly. Exactly. So each year with the boat show, so this year, the boat show is in six different locations, the Miami Beach Convention Center, Herald Plaza, Venetian Marina, Museum Park, Yacht Haven Grande in Miami, and Pride Park. And so all of those venues are going to feed all of the businesses around them. And each year, the economic impact just of the boat show is $1.34 billion. Wow. To put that into perspective, when we had the Super Bowl, it was estimated that the Super Bowl brought in a total economic impact of just under 572 million, which is one of the reasons that Miami Dade County said no thank you when we were offered to host a Super Bowl during those dates. They turned down the Super Bowl because the economic impact of the other events far, far exceeds the Super Bowl. Right. It's unbelievable to me because, you know,
0: it's very difficult to quantify a number like $571 million or $1.34 billion of economic impact. But when you're quantifying that, a lot of that Ends up being jobs, right? So another way to look at the Super Bowl is that the su- the Super Bowl creates over at least the last Super Bowl here in South Florida created over forty five hundred jobs, both full time and part time. So it does provide a lot of effect in the location that it is being held. That effect, by the way, it it reverberates to the two teams that are in the Super Bowl. Correct. That even though they are not at the location, a lot of fans want that collective experience of seeing it together. So they they do a lot of fan- events at you know like in the last Super Bowl Philadelphia Kansas City both cities also experienced an economic impact of the Super Bowl based on all of the events that were surrounding the week of the Super Bowl right the watch parties Philadelphia and in Kansas City so that that also is uh, incredibly impactful we've had that experience I'm not going to mention the Dolphins because they make me cry but if you look at the Miami Heat, right, in in our three runs to the championship, we've seen that effect, right? We've seen that you know it just becomes a, a very infectious thing. And then of course we gotta mention the, the Marlins. I can't believe that I still at this age in my life can I mention the Dolphins in that light? And I don't want to go back to 1972. <laughs> no,
1: we, we gotta get
0: a new a new <laughs> Oh my goodness. So how do you how do you navigate this? Uh, you know this is really interesting because you you used to work at a brokerage that did a lot of luxury sales and I always find interesting and you kind of alluded to but how do agents approach that time of year when you have all these big events and you have a lot of people and a lot of eyeballs on on South Florida and on South Florida real estate because it's got to be an interesting dynamic of navigating showing properties to your point well there is
1: so much happening in the city so I think it's not just the showing of the properties and right. yes the other you know the the luxury brokers the luxury residential brokers for sure are upping all of their advertising they've probably been sending comp tickets and event you know events that they're sponsoring invites out to people from all over the country yeah. And the Miami Association does a great job as well. I just wanted to do a shout out to them, the Miami Realtors, because they highlight all, they do a huge advertising blitz and open house schedules, not just for residential properties, but they do a huge blitz for commercial properties and commercial listings that are in the MLS as well. And you will see a lot of commercial brokers this time, if they're not showing properties, they're entertaining, right? Yeah. So they're getting special tickets to the events, they're inviting their A-list of referrals, they're working their CRM yeah. to get potential buyers and sellers here and eyeballs on it, yeah. uh, on any of the events that they're doing and dinners, etc. No. So, you know, it's a big time for marketing, not just South Florida, but but yeah. our and our lifestyle and how much fun it is to live here yeah. when pretty much the rest of the state is freezing. Right. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. not not even the state. Sorry, I meant the rest of the country. But I, I said state because earlier in January we were in Tampa and yeah. Orlando and it was <laughs> freezing until really I called my brother cool. in Boston and he's like, oh, boo hoo. 50s 30s <laughs> you know they're at like minus zero so yeah so exactly the economic impact is yeah. huge you
0: know i find it really interesting because i heard a conversation between residential and commercial agents on on this topic and the idea was that okay these, these are things that are largely more important to the residential agent and the commercial agent i i think that there is a little bit of a myopic approach there just because what i find interesting is that a lot of what we sell is lifestyle and if you look at a, if you look at a market like for example West Palm Beach that has some of the best golf courses in the country top 10 golf courses in Florida are in Palm Beach and then you have you know an incredible amount of boating I find it interesting that there is a lifestyle that is being sold for, for each party you know I know people that live in Palm Beach that don't play a lick of golf couldn't care less about the golf course but they just love their waterways how many businesses have to feed into that right you know owning a boat is an expensive endeavor and it requires Requires a lot of attention to the boat and so you know you build a lot of the marine industry surrounding it and and you know a lot of eyeballs coming from the marine industry about being in close proximity to those that are going to utilize these boats and these, these vehicles and so everything feeds into each other it, it there is a, a level of importance to these events that has an effect beyond just the residential component of I'm looking for a house to live in and I would like to you know be close to where I want to play. You know, I once heard uh a someone say that, you know, you want to invest where the rich play, but I, I think that that also has a a, a huge commercial component, right? Because now you want to take care of the things, the toys of the rich and famous. <laughs>
1: Correct. And I think, I think to your point, it's super interesting. I was having a conversation with a, with another broker. He's, he does a lot of multifamily um, investing and development and, you know, with the Live Local Act, he's all excited about the Live Local Act, but he's not so thrilled with the fact that, that we're trying to get industrial removed from the live local where the industrial would not be able to be built residential moving yeah. forward. Well, we're, we're not trying to remove No, 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 that, not we. I mean, I'm saying the state, there's a bill. Rest. And I yeah. mean, we is, right, there's been a lot of conversation around it. And my argument, going back to your boating example, was specifically there are a lot of municipalities that are trying to get rid of warehouse, right? They're trying to get rid of the lower ceiling, older warehouse product because they don't want it and there's more money to, it doesn't look pretty and there's more money to be made in some other use, whether it's right. retail or, or residential. And my argument was, okay. so if I have a boat right now, a lot of these small areas, you know, where you go to get your propeller fixed, where you go to get the canvas made for your bimini top, they're where you go to get service on your on your boat. Same thing along the Miami River. The Miami River used to be well, still has several large yacht facilities where they go in for maintenance and repairs and everything. But that land has become so extremely valuable for residences on the water that a lot of those uses are getting rezoned. A lot of those parcels are getting rezoned. And where do those people go? And I think as a county, Mm -hmm. you have to be very, very careful in keeping that balance. Yes, we need affordable housing. Yes you know mechanic shops aren't necessarily pretty but we need them and so how do you balance yeah. the, the the needs to support the community right. and the the lifestyle of the people you're attracting yeah. while at the same time creating that lifestyle so i can talk about this
0: <laughs> for for hours because it's often a topic of conversation and To the people that would like for the industrial component to be removed from Live Local Act, part of the argument is that we don't have a lot of industrial as it is in Florida. Right. And if you look at Miami-Dade County, as an industrial market, it's nowhere near as large as Chicago, California, Dino, Texas. And so their argument is that you know by trying to create an incentive to build more housing, right, to reduce affordable housing, you're reducing the amount of inventory for industrial, and it's going to create uh, an issue with the cost of industrial. However, I also want to say that, okay, we could have that conversation, but we really need to have also a conversation about what is industrial. Right? Right, because what we have seen is a huge shift by people that own industrial, by people that manage industrial, to say we want clean industrial, right? right. We want a warehouse that doesn't function in manufacturing, that doesn't delve into mechanic shops or anything of that nature. And so what happens? No is paint, that, no fixing, right, no correct. no so building. Then, <laughs> right. So you have a building that looks like an industrial building that can function as an industrial building but the use is not allowed not necessarily by zoning but it's not allowed by the people that are managing the building and look there's a lot of reasons for that environmental concerns it's management intensive right however we also have to decide okay if we want to preserve industrial then we also have to say that we have to let industrial be industrial right and so limiting that is counter to the argument that we don't want to use it for multifamily development
1: well they also use it for retail right look at all the areas oh, yeah. that for have sure. converted—I mean, pretty much most right. of Alapada and right. all of Winwood industrial and is all now of the really small retail. In
0: the Road Design and Industrial Correct. District, is largely retail, right?
1: So, uh, just because you have a garage door doesn't make it right. <laughs> a right. warehouse, right? But there is a need for that. You know, my point was, especially right. as we bring people here for all of these events, yeah. right, and and create that lifestyle image. You need to have the support services for the tourists right. as well as for the people who have businesses and move here so Correct. you know another another event that we're bringing here that I'm super super excited about is that Miami is a host city for the 2026 FIFA World Cup soccer mm-hmm. tournament yeah and the Boston Consulting group commissioned a study that uh, did a study that was commissioned by the US right. Soccer Federation and they estimated that each city could see a net benefit of between 90 million and 480 million dollars and that does take into account what host cities have to pay right like obviously you bring in these events and host cities have expenses associated with them so a lot of people when the world's fair comes or the summer olympics or something comes to their city you have people going yay and you other have other people going oh no it's going to take money out of the the county coffers for example for super bowl 54 miami spent and the surrounding cities spent about 20 million just in municipal services to support Mm -hmm. the super bowl so there is a cost but yeah they've done the studies and the economic benefit far outweighs the the cost and one of the things that I love that I think really sums all of this up is a quote that the Miami Herald did of Miami Mayor Suarez when we were yeah. getting the, the soccer tournament. And he says, direct quote, all these kinds of national and global sports, we feel, has not only a direct economic impact on hotels and the everyday person who's working in our city, but it also has a branding impact that is incalculable. It is incalculable, but there are some things that you could
0: calculate and there's something called an ad equivalency, equivalency right. value, right? Right. And, and that's the other part of this is the amount of eyeballs internationally that Miami is going to have. And in every event sports event there's always a shot of the city like you know people always should the the city is showcased in a way where you could say well what would be the cost of the ad equivalency value so for example in 2023 in the super bowl a 30 second commercial was seven million dollars a 30 second commercial right? Yeah. And if you look at it, if you put together all of the ads, <laughs> right, all of the pictures of the city, everything that you go through, I mean, it's got to far exceed that number in adequate equivalency value, right? For and so sure. just the number of eyeballs that are, you know, that are focused on your city has
1: a ripple effect. Right. Just think you know. of those Buffalo Bill fans sitting at home in freezing cold weather. I mean, I looked at the yeah. last couple of games that were played up there and Shout out to Buffalo Bill fanatics. I mean, not a fan, but love you guys as fans because... I don't yeah. go out when it's 50 degrees yeah. and you guys were out there in it, a blizzard. They were,
0: they were in the stadium removing the snow from the sea. I know. You
1: I know, saw that. That was amazing.
0: So, but thank imagine, God we don't have to worry about that.
1: I know. Imagine being a Bills fan and you're sitting in your living room and you're seeing all these cutaways of people on the beach and, and South Beach and the boats on the water and everything hey Jennifer,
0: else. I don't have to imagine being a Bills fan because I'm a Dolphin fan <laughs> and we're both suffering right now. This is true
1: this is true but I just meant in terms of like where you live yes in terms of in terms of where you live so but I loved I loved that quote because it's It's the branding. And to your point earlier, it shows a lifestyle. It shows the environment. It shows our our city. And he goes on to state, we don't know what it's going to mean 10, 15 years or 20 years from now. People are going to experience Miami. They're going to see images of Miami. And the tale of that economic development is...
0: Incalculable. I think it's also showcasing to the world that we have the ability to host such events. Correct. Do we get uh, a shot at being a host city for the World Cup, you know, FIFA World Cup without showcasing that we have the ability and the infrastructure to accommodate large events? Right. Well, and, and, and and so when when I start piecing it together, part of it for me is that, like, I remember Jacksonville one year hosted a Super Bowl right? They didn't have enough hotels. They had to bring in cruise ships to dock and be able to utilize them as hotels because they didn't have enough hotel rooms to to accommodate. They have to get creative, right? Which, Which is something that I appreciate. But the infrastructure in Miami to host such large events is impressive as well. You know, and and our ability to carry them through in an effective, efficient, safe way also says something about our ability
1: to run a city, right, and, and a county. Well, so, don't don't go too crazy because oh, okay. you know, Hard Rock Stadium. One of the issues with FIFA was that they uh-huh. didn't feel like Hard Rock Stadium was going to have enough seats, right, in in it. So yeah. to your point, you have to get creative in some of these yeah. areas. Shout out to Jacksonville for being creative and bringing in cruise ships. That's been a big issue for us in Miami Mm -hmm. is our lack of a convention center right Right. I mean we have the Miami Beach Convention Center but oh my gosh we were just up in Orlando and their convention center is a city within itself it's connected by a bridge to three huge hotels that in and of themselves can hold conventions Right. right and then the convention center itself we go there all the time for ICSC and ICSC takes up a small fraction or last year we were there for the National Association for Realtors. We weren't even in and we're big, we weren't even we didn't even take over I think a half of that convention center. So you can have multiple events. So to your point just because you don't have those huge venues doesn't mean that a city or an area can't get creative. I know with yeah. Super Bowl that was one of our issues too was they said well the city of Miami doesn't have enough for all of the fans. But we were like, well wait, where Hard Rock Stadium is and this is where the Inner County, you know, playing right. nice together and playing That's in right. the sandbox nice together said, yeah. but some fans are going to stay in Fort Lauderdale. Correct. Right? So there are ways to get around it and bring those events to your city, um, even if you don't have the capability, but it takes creativity in order. To, to meet those I needs. Just,
0: I just think that is part of the growth of the city uh, or the evolution of the city is having the ability to host and we've hosted them multiple times. Correct. And then you look at there are other events that we have done annually for years that have that level of economic impact year over year. Like the Art Basel Fair, right? Correct. Which we have done for over twenty three years very successfully. And you know we we built an art scene out of out of out okay. of seemingly nothing, right? <laughs> (laughs) and and host one of the most influential international you know art fairs in the world and do it very well if you look at Miami one of the things that we like to say is we have a team for every major sports league and we have the ability to host events like Formula One right right? and and to make it by the way one of the most successful Formula One events in the entire Formula One season you know one of the things that that I was looking up because you know you know I'm a big fan and one of the things that, that I found You're interesting saying. is when when, <laughs> when Formula One was was coming in a part of the argument with the city of Miami Gardens where the stadium is and, and where it really is being held is when we talk about economic impact is it really going to Impact the local community where the event is being held. And I had the opportunity to go to one of the three days of the inaugural Formula One for Miami. And one of the things that I loved is, you know, I had to park kind of far away, but they had these basically rickshaws that were you know, locally owned group of entrepreneurs got together and they said, let's just create this, right? We're a local business and we'll be able to transport everybody. And they were not only wonderful experience to to go through and great service, but super enthusiastic because they really felt like, okay, this is an event where I'm a part of that event, right? right. And, uh, I, you know, the entire city has bought in. And I think that we should do a an episode with Linda Julian, the, the commissioner from. Miami Gardens to talk about everything that is happening in miami gardens there's a lot of new developments coming there's a lot of eyeballs and and i have to say that there's something powerful about what formula one has done to not create that trend i think that trend was going to be there but to accelerate you know that trend i was looking at some numbers because i'm looking at the same way you're looking at it well the super bowl is 571 million well (laughs) formula one race is here for 10 years right and the first year the impact was over 349 million dollars last year it was 449 million dollars which was a 29% increase which means that in the first two years the total impact of this race which they still have a contract for eight more years actually they have a contract they have they have an agreement for 15 but they have a contract with the stadium and the city for the next 10 years you know for eight more years but the total impact is over 788 million dollars and you have I mean, look, visitor spending in Greater Miami Region during the race week reached $195 million when total attendance was up 15% last year. So, you know, just the, the impact of that and the ability to put it together. And let me tell you it's a logistical nightmare it's a freaking circus right and it's not a one-day event like the super was a three-day event right you know where by a three-day event i mean it they sell out all three days you know and uh and there's just a lot of moving parts and and to me you know perhaps because there's a part of every commercial agent that loves logistics you know especially if you do any kind of industrial there's a part of that that is really awe-inspiring you know it's it's being able to to really move a mass of people in and out and be able to give them an incredible experience uh and to do that well and what is more beautiful is to include the community and to stand to see that there is an actual economic impact on the local community because they have a hand in how that event is
1: carried out to me is part of the joy of events like this well and i want to do a huge shout out to hard rock stadium because i mean it's a multi-purpose stadium it it's not just for the dolphins the dolphins play there the hurricanes play there they do concerts there we've got formula one there. I mean, it is a cross-purpose, multi-purpose stadium. And to your point about Miami Gardens, we've spoken about them before, but how well that city is run and Mm -hmm. how thoughtful and purposeful the government is at bringing in the local community to see yeah. how these events are going to affect them and what they would like to see. I mean, yeah. they have just done a marvelous job in, in running that city and in building up the economic base so that it benefits everybody, the people yeah. who live there, work there, invest there, as well as the people attending any events in their city.
0: Absolutely. It's unbelievable. I, I'm just, I'm just so proud of when you're in Miami and you've been here for a long time, you, you start to see, wow, this is, it, it feels very much like it was, it was a slow growth. And then all of a sudden there's just been this incredible explosion.
1: It, it took off. I mean, to your point, when I first moved here, um, I moved here right before Hurricane Andrew, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, from San Francisco, right after the earthquake. So yeah. Natural wow. natural disaster follows me, I think. Um, but when I moved here for restaurants, I was so disappointed. Like, the, the only place you could really go get kind of great food was Coral Gables. Right. Spotty on Miami Beach. Everything else was just, yeah. eh, you know, no, no great Chinese restaurants, no great Mexican restaurants, um, a lot of good Cuban food, which right. we didn't get as much of in San Francisco. But... Eh, you know, and there were a couple of good sushi places today. Oh, my gosh, I can't. There's so many new restaurant openings right that on. I can't even go to all of them. Right. right. Because I still want to be loyal to my local good ones that I like. But yeah. I keep trying new ones because they keep coming. There was no Pam. There was no Frost Museum. Yeah. There were the Dolphins. There were no Marlins. Right. There were no Panthers. The there were no Heat. There was no Panthers, there was no what was then American Airlines Arena and is now the pronounce it Kaseya yeah. Center. Sorry, so we were both wrong, so we <laughs> wrong. Kaseya Center, and that's the problem with yes, being yeah. here so long. Is I still consider Hard Rock Joe Robbie right? Yeah. I still consider it the Lipton Tennis wo- rock, pro- <laughs> the Lipton yes. Tennis Tournament. But right. <laughs> to your point, I mean, <laughs> we've yes. we've come a long way, baby, and right, and up. and fast. So, and I do think a lot of these events and the fact that again, and there were a lot of it wasn't just government it was a lot of visionaries and people who were saying why can't we have our why not miami for our puzzle right Right. why can't we have a world-class basketball team and everything else so okay i have a fun fact so we're there already we're there already so i had to shy away a little bit from economic impact because we're also, you know, those days start with February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. And so I want everybody to get a head start on buying chocolate for their loved ones. Hint, hint fernando Mm -hmm. and i'm going to tell you my two favorite stores (laughs) so many people overlook the power of the global chocolate consumption as of 2024 the global chocolate industry is worth 127.9 billion dollars according to i love this website dame cacao Which is, (laughs) give me cocoa, right? So, and my two favorite shops in Miami, chocolate shops are Romanicos on Coral, Coral Way. I don't know if you've been there. It's a tiny little shop, street parking only, but their chocolate is artwork. I mean hand-painted chocolates all sorts of creative flavors they have typical south florida flavors like guayaba dulce de leche espresso as well as regular chocolate chocolates but they're amazing and they have pre Packaged boxes for all sorts of different events for Valentine's Day right. Father's Day Mother's Day, etc They also have vegan chocolate for mm. you vegans out there. Shout out to Karina Shout out to Karina <laughs> and my other favorite one is Garcia Nevet in South Miami Totally different type of chocolate place. She has chocolates from all around the world. She's Venezuelan But they have the most amazing chocolate cake so if you are mm-hmm planning a valentine's day dinner and you want to impress the Mm. their chocolate cake is amazing for a hostess gift party etc that's in south miami in the little shopping center next to mojitos and um cafe pastis so look guys a little tip if you ever record a podcast with jennifer
0: make sure you're not hungry because she will make you hungry (laughs) (laughs) My fun stat of the day is just a, you know, going back to the Super Bowl. And I wanted to just preface, just kind of tell you why I'm mentioning this. So last year's Super Bowl was the second most watched Super Bowl with over 113 million viewers. And I would venture to say that in today's age, that is of higher significance than it has ever been. Because think about it. Everything right now is streamed right you you can watch your shows anywhere at any time and we have lost a little bit of that collective experience of there's a show that everybody's watching they know it comes in on thursdays at 8 p.m everybody watches it and then the next day at the office right. you miami talk about vice. it right? remember miami vice no because right <laughs> like the conversations have changed like now you tell like oh i saw this show yesterday and i was like oh don't don't tell me i haven't seen it you know right. all this stuff like that has gone and and when you have an event like the super bowl and this is where i think viewership in sports has heightened to a degree because you know it is one of those things where if you have 113 million people chances are you're going to be able to have a conversation the next day around the water cooler about it. So, you know, there, there's something incredible about that collective experience, which we've kind of lost just because of the streaming and the way that we have accessibility
1: to our shows, and we're able to watch it at different Well, and I can record it, so if there's something better yeah. than the Super Bowl going on that night. Yeah. You
0: know? Jennifer, there's never anything better than the Super Bowl
1: going on. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to be tuned in because of Reba and no, Usher. Sure. What can I say? Uh, yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I, like, I like my Super Bowl part. I, too. I love it. All righty. Uh, until right. next time, everybody, thank you for joining us and Absolutely. pulling up a chair. We really appreciate you.
0: You got it.